we've been taking these uh, past few Sundays to look at a life lived in the shape of Jesus. A Christian life lived uh, that recognizes and believes in the resurrection of Jesus and the Easter truth. A life lived empowered by the gift of the Holy Spirit. And if you're a baptized Christian, that's you. That's who you are. And then what, it, what matters is for us to consider that reality. And then I guess we've been asking, well, okay, so what does our life look like? Given the fact that Jesus was raised from the death, dead, and we've been given his Holy Spirit. And we've looked at taking the comfort of that reality into our hearts. We've looked at the challenge it is to follow Jesus in a, in a world and an age that at best thinks it's a benign silliness, or at worst, it's a hostile reality to be shunned. Last week, we looked at the sacrifice involved. The God comes into our lives and points at that thing that we don't want to change, that thing that we don't want to give, and he calls us to give that up to him, for God is real, God is God. There's nothing we're meant to withhold from him except bring the totality of our lives in humility and hope. And as we do that, we receive his love and his grace. Things work out. And today, we hear Jesus' word. Um, talks about John the Baptist a bit. And then we hear Jesus pray for us. And it's a beautiful prayer. It's a challenging prayer. And I think I want to Camp out there a little bit. It's worth taking in. Because when Jesus prays, he prays thanking the Father, thanking God, that he has revealed God's truth, not to the wise and to the powerful, but to little children. And that he was pleased to do. Now, there's comfort there, but it's also uncomfortable. Because listen to what he's saying. He's saying that to hold, to rightly hold the truth of Jesus, you're coming to God as a child comes. Right? Now, whether you've had your own children or been around children, uh, for all their beauty and the joy that they bring, there's also something that is lacking in them, usually. And I'll put it this way, but I think you'll sense this truth. Kids don't often have dignity. You know what I mean? A kid will, you know, they could be hanging out with you and then they'll just do a pirouette or they'll just overshare or they'll, uh, you can tell them a story and they'll believe you, Right? They have this innocence about them, and it's beautiful. We love it in children. Usually we do. But you would also say, we're raising you to not live that way, right? It's cute in a child, but as an adult, you want to be discerning, right? You want to be thoughtful. You want to carry yourself with a measure of respect, perhaps. Not take yourself too seriously, I hope, right? But you offer respect to a fellow adult, and you also, at some level, expect it. And Jesus says, yeah, I hear that's how you live your lives, 
But notice that the gift that I'm coming to bring is kind of dodging the intelligentsia, I'm kind of dodging the powers of the age, and I'm coming to those who have and have it a humble spirit. Now that's hard. But what Jesus is doing, what he's always doing, and it's important we see it, is that he is reversing the values of the human world. Because what's the what's our, our values, our, our world setup? What is it, what is it like? It's incredibly boring and cyclical. Every age. Doesn't matter who's on top. It wasn't the Americans, it was the British Empire, it wasn't the British, the Dutch Golden Age, before them, blah, 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 Roman Empire. But it's always the same. What's the, what's the cycle of the world? A few with power, with weapons, with money, rise to the top, entrench themselves with power, and dominate those without. And you bend the knee. If you don't, you're cut down. That, in the briefest terms, is uh, the spirit of any human age, and it's happened so often in the morning. And it's happening today. All right? That's how we live our lives. I mean, in general, I trust that we're like basically decent people, we follow the laws, but in the back of my mind, if I don't follow the rules, I'm gonna imprison you, right? Government can take your life. We live in these categories, kind of fixed categories. And with, with that comes a whole host of things. Well, if you want to make it in this kind of world, then you better be the kind of person that can negotiate and accrue yourself a measure of influence, a measure of power, right? And so what do we do? Well, we get the, the good marks in high school, right? We make sure that we apply to the right university. We shape the right hands, make the right connections, get the right paycheck. Right credentials, right? And you try to craft for yourself a powerful resume. If you don't have a resume, well, you have the money, hopefully both. Right? And then you made it. And then you want to hang out with people who are like you, respectable, also achievers, also doing well, whatever sphere you're in. Right? Whatever, whatever vocation sphere you're in. It's in the priesthood too. They're not saints. You find it there too. Yeah, is that the, the way that things should be? Well, no. That's what Jesus is saying. No, because when Jesus came to the world, he wasn't born in the halls of the Roman Empire. He was born in the do-nothing conquered people in their own, you know, hick town in the barn. To the poorest of the poor, that's where Jesus was born. The God of the universe. Come to us. And dreadful humility. And he grows up. Some people want to follow Jesus. Like, hey, Jesus, you sound really cool. We want to follow you. And he tells them, you know what? Foxes have dens. A place to rest your head. I don't have anything. I have nothing. Some people blinked at that and just walked away. Right? That's a little too much. Because it's hard. Because Jesus is reversing the values of his age. So how, how does that connect with us? Well, here's one. He says it there. To receive his truth, you're going to have to let go 
of the pump, from the inflated ego that, oh, I'm so low-led, I'm so intelligent, so savvy and so philosophical, whatever. And you first have to come to God in humility and trust. Right? Now, here I have to make a clarification. If I'm not careful, you might hear me saying, to follow Jesus is blind faith, and I don't have to do any reading, or any learning, I just gotta have my feelings and my emotions. And I'm not saying that. That is not what I'm saying. But Jesus, I think, is making it clear that you can't think your way to a relationship. <coughs> there is no way. You can't think your way into any religion. For those of you who are, are or have been married, you had to, I'm sure, before you were married, you were considering dating your, you know, see someone. My wife, Britt, I saw her. That's a very attractive person I would like to get to know. And I thought about it. And then you ask around, there are friends, mutual connections, you start evaluating, using your mind. Yeah, there's a lot of thinking going on. I could have thought for years about Britt. And that wouldn't have got me any closer to being her husband. Because what it takes to be in a relationship with someone, yeah, you think about it, but that's not the crucial step. The crucial step is actually taking a step and saying, hi, my name is Seth, and you don't know me, but can I have a coffee with you sometime? Right? It's movement. It's trust. It's faith. It's informed faith. I, was, I thought about her, but also I didn't know how it was going to pan out. What if she said yes? That's a terrifying one. It's, it hurts to say no. It's terrifying to say yes. Now what? Right? You know, you know what's up. Right? But I, you don't think your way there. It's something else. That's what Jesus is saying. I didn't come to the thoughtful and the powerful, those who think that by thinking it through and engaging their minds in actions of power and dominance, that's, that's going to work out. No. It's humility. Kind of like a child. Not childish. Like a child, right? See, we don't want to incur childishness, right? Pettiness, lacking fortitude of mind to follow through in the heart. Actually, no, it's just coming open, willing to trust. Or I see now, as someone's put it, faith seeking understanding, willing to admit I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. And I'm willing to. Hear what Jesus says with an open hand. And see if it makes sense. Right? That's, that's fair. And I'm going to tell you, it's also going to hurt. It's going to hurt. And Jesus says that. Now, you see, because the passage opened, uh, he starts off with saying, Who can I compare this generation? So Jesus is kind of like, it's exasperated. And we don't know why, because we start in the middle of the chapter. But if you read the chapter, the first part, before our today reading, you'll notice that what's happened is that Jesus' cousin, dear friend, and family has been arrested by the local government because his cousin John the Baptist uh, called out the king for doing something really gross. He took his brother's wife and he's really bad, really bad scene. So John's like, hey, that's wrong. The king said, hey, I don't want you saying that to me. So he arrested him, threw him in the dungeon. 
So John was suffering. And he was nervous. He said, well, isn't Jesus the king? And he just uses Jesus' power to bust into the jail. Why am I still lying here? So he sent his friends to ask Jesus, hey, are you, are you, are you the God? Are you the king? Are you the Messiah? Should I trust in you? Right? Doubt. Because when you're in a hard moment, it's understandable that you're going to have questions, doubts. And Jesus asked Jesus, said, oh, what am I going to do with this generation? He's not complaining about John. He's complaining about everybody else. Because he's, he understands how annoying humans can be, all of us. Because here's what happened. God's trying to talk to his people. So God sends John. John is telling everyone, hey, stop doing what's wrong, do what's right. Say, I'm sorry for your sins. Be cleansed. Follow God. Oh, and there's Jesus. You probably should follow him too. Right? Oh, and then John the Baptist, he's so, oh, he thinks he's so better than us. He's so self-righteous. It's kind of annoying, John. So they criticize him. And then Jesus showed up. Jesus said, hey, guys, God loves you. And he went to all the parties. People were drinking wine and music. Jesus hanging out with them. And what did everyone do? They criticized him. Oh, look at Jesus. He's hanging out with the drunks. He's terrible. And the point is, you're not going to please, especially when you're following God. When you hold an honest faith, it's going to trigger people around you. It does. It triggers people around you. It's going to trigger your, your coworkers. Right? We were talking about that before the sermon. I'm going to put you in the spot so much, but a little bit. Right? No, I just, I just I asked Aaron, it was a conversation, I'll, I'll tell you the truth of it. But I asked him, hey, here in Banff, what is it easier to say, basically? Is it easier to say, hey, I'm a Buddhist? Or is it easier to say, hey, I'm a Christian? You know, you know what's up. Buddhist is new, right? Buddhism is, tr- is new, it's trendy, it's seen as very nice, Christianity, you know, it's full of empire and violence. You know? Now, there are good reasons for Christians to be criticized, right? I'm not going to deny that. Being the number one religion in the country, you end up doing, people do things in Jesus' name that are horrible. And if you're a follower of Jesus, and you wear the badge, people are going to think things about you. And so for some people, you're just not going to be able to do anything right. Right? If you say, well, I just trust Jesus, then people will say, oh, then you must be a dumb dumb. Or, Hey, I have these good reasons that I thought through for why I trust Jesus. Ah, oh, that's a motivated reason. People have biases. That doesn't work. Or you don't say anything. What are you, Christian? Coward? Or you say something. Ah, oh, you're so loud and bigoted. You're, you're going to be in a place where you're not going to win. Jesus is saying it. Ah, oh, this generation. But really, that's all generations. We love to hate. There's no one that humans love to hate more than God. We do everything in our power to make sure that we ignore the reality of God. Overwork, overspend, overentertain ourselves, always ignore the constant voice of love that's coming to us, saying there is more life than the day-to-day that you were made for. That no matter what people say about you that is negative, that puts you down, there's more truth about you than that nonsense love, that no one in this room is an accident, that each person here, before you were born, before anyone had an idea about you, God knew you and loved you. 
And he was excited to see you be in this world for the possibility, for the chance that you might have a relationship with your creator. A relationship that would define who you are as a person and that would be a wellspring of love for the rest of the world. Yeah, but people are going to hate on you for that. And no less for, that's why Jesus prays for us. You hear what he prays? After he mentions the problem we're all going to have that we just, we just talked about. And Jesus, in the midst of a whole crowd, probably just sort of stopped talking. Probably put his hands up. That was very customary for ancient Jews to pray like this. And just prayed for his followers. And if you're a Christian, you love me too, so he prayed for you. And then he said, Father, I thank you that you've hidden this from the rich and powerful and the academics and you brought your children. And yet, you listen to me as I pray, for you have sent me your only son, and I'm the only one who reveals your truth to the world. I'm paraphrasing. It's nice to hear you right? But that's what he said. That's his prayer. You notice know he ended that way? And I'm your son, and I'm the one who reveals it to the world. And there we come to the main reason why. The world will hate you if you follow Jesus or be really annoyed at you. Because what Jesus says there is probably one of the most scandalous things that Jesus could ever say, and killed him for it, and what any Christian could say. That the only way to the Father, the only way to God, the only way to connect to the divine is through Jesus. Thousands, if not millions, of philosophies and traditions and religions. And yet Jesus comes forward and as he prays, he says, Thank you, God. Thank you so that I'm here. We're sharing your love, our love, our truth to the world, and I am the only way that it can be found. Yes, thank you. That's what he prays. I know that lands. Awkwardly, if not difficult, in our hearts right now. That is not what is considered normal out there. Yeah. If you go out to any the church, it's not normal there. You not to be too cheeky, but I just want to say tough. Tough, not enough. Because I'm not saying it. And if you say it, you're not saying it. It's Jesus who's saying it. And you can test them, because they did. You'll notice, spoiler alert, they arrested him and they murdered him and they buried him. And yet he came out of the tomb to new life. And since that moment, millions of billions of lives in this world in history have been transformed by the reality of Jesus, confirming what he said. Said, I'm the way. Which means that if you're going through a hard time, you're struggling on any front. Here's what you can, you can remember based off today. A, Jesus has prayed for you and is praying for you right now. You're not alone. He's with you. And if you turn to him and only him, he will give you what you need. And it might not be what you want sometimes, right? But it will be what you need. He will carry you through. Because he loves you. Because he loves you. Because he's true. 
anyone else in this world can and maybe will fail you. My friends, I'll fail you. And I'll bring it home here to end. Because as we learned in the past few weeks, come September, I'm going to be your rector. Right? Changes happen in Georgia's. I'm going to be here. I'm going to tell you right now. I appreciate that um, most of you like me, or if you don't, well, it's not me. Um, but I'll be, I'll be real with you. I'm going to rough around the edges. I'm going to drop the ball. I'll make a call and you all. You're going to tell me, hey, you shouldn't do that. I'll be like, hey, and then I'll do it anyways. And then I'll be wrong. And then you're going to be there. You're going to be fighting your spirit. Like, ah, I told you so. I told you so. You don't want to say it. Right? You'll be wrestling with that. And I'll be there like, hey, Jesus. But it's going to be tense and hard. And make mistakes. Not only until the decisions to be a person. You know that. I'll hurt you. I hate that's true. Long enough that you can go hurt. And I hope that we can talk about it and forgive each other and be close. That's part of what leads to human. Look it up. Thanks be to God that Jesus will not fail you. He will always be there. It's awkward because you're the only other party who's always saying, I'm sorry. Every Sunday we're here. The confession, but he'll always be there. When you follow Jesus, when you publicly talk about him and say, Hey, yeah, I'm a Christian. And then people look at you and say, Well, I wish you were a Buddhist. Or whatever, right? Yeah, that'd be awkward. You won't feel comfortable. Jesus will be there. He'll strike you. He'll give you what you need. That's the promise. He's praying for you. He loves you. And as he says, come to me, you who are burning. Take that to God. Pray your prayers. God will never stop talking about you. Feel silly about talking about you. Um, how do I lose it? And all that stuff, right? Whether you're a Christian for a minute or 10 years, I still do it. I feel nervous about being X, Y, Z. Jesus, I give it to you. You can receive it. You can give us peace. You can give it to you. Please forgive it to you. You can trust in that. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, uh, Lord, we thank you that uh, each one of us here who are seeking to follow you, uh, our lives are open to you. Uh, you know us all the way down. You know our strengths. You know our weaknesses. Uh, you know the things that we're proud of, and you know all the things that we're not proud of. And you look at us, and you love us. Lord, you love us so much that you gave your life for us. God, help us to take that beautiful truth deep into our hearts. Let that be what defines us and motivates us. Your love. And when we're feeling scared or frustrated and people are judging us and we're feeling alone as we follow you, help us to feel your presence and your peace that's always around us. And whatever's leading that, just please remove that. We want to be with you. We thank you that you're with us and therefore we're never alone. And so we pray with thanksgiving in the name of Jesus, your Son. Amen.